Good afternoon, everyone. Sounds weird saying good afternoon from the Grace Fellowship pulpit. I don't know that I've ever had to do that before, but it's good seeing you all. Um, appreciate you coming this evening. Hopefully, whenever you came in, you should have gotten a couple of different packets uh, that'll be useful during this first seminar. Uh, and there's also a quiz that we gave you coming in the door. I think I told everyone, but if you would, go ahead and fill out that quiz when you, ha- uh, when you have a chance. That'll be part of our kickoff here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our, uh, our speaker for the first seminar. This is Jay Shaw. He's the youth minister at Briarwood Presbyterian up in Birmingham. Uh, Jay goes around and does this technology seminar for different churches and does a great job, and so we're really glad to have him here with us. Uh, but he'll be leading us for the first hour, hour and a half, and then we'll, we'll break for dinner together. But I'm going to lead us in prayer just to kick off our time, and then I'll turn it over to Jay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather and to fellowship and to hear from, uh, from some wise counsel. Uh, Lord, we know that parenting is uh, a stewardship that you've entrusted uh, to us. And so, Father, we're really thankful for the gift uh, that you've given these families and giving them children and the responsibility that comes along with that. Uh, Father, as we talk about some weighty things tonight, we ask that your spirit would come and, uh, and give comfort to these parents where they need to be comforted. Uh, and also challenge them where they need to be challenged. But, Lord, we just want them to know that they are among friends here uh, and that your spirit is here to help us uh, and, and give us guidance. And so, uh, Father, would you be with us in our time together? Uh, would you be honored and glorified uh, as we explore this, uh, this wonderful topic? So thank you for our time together. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Jay, come on up. All right. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Zach, thank you for having me. I've, I've gotten to know Zach over the past couple of years. Just He takes uh, seminary at BTS in Birmingham, and so we've gotten coffee, I don't know, seven or eight times over the last year or so, and uh, what a blessing to have him here at the church. And I just, I'm just thrilled that, uh, that he brought in a parenting conference. I think this is so important. I've been doing youth ministry for, uh, this is my 21st year on staff at Briarwood, and, uh, and, you know, one of the things that we try to do is, is really help parents. Our, our kind of mission is to partner with parents. And so we always remind parents, look, we're just here to build off of what you're doing and help you and equip you and, um, and come alongside of you. Uh, but really, it's, it's God uses you uh, as the primary voice and teacher and discipler in your children's life. And so I just I love that the church is doing this to come partner with you and just give you some resources. So uh, Zach, thank you for having me. And then I know Rebecca from, uh, from years ago, she was on staff at Briarwood with our junior high ministry. And to this day is the only staff person that needed a booster seat to drive one of our rental cars. We, we, uh, picked up some, uh, we were going to Cherokee, North Carolina for our mission trip. And we had, I was driving a van. Was it, uh, Ben, Ben Burgess maybe, or Christopher Bailey, our junior high director, was driving a van and then Rebecca gets in the van and she you can't see her like through the windows and so we're like how's she gonna do this so we got I did we stack some books up or something yeah yeah it was yeah something real safe yeah uh so yeah so that was fun but uh but anyways uh, thank you for having me here it's a it's a pleasure to be here I've got I know this is being streamed and there's a lot of people in your church out with COVID and uh so uh, for those who are streaming, just know that there's some videos that are going to be shown, and you may not be able to uh, hear those or even see them. We're not sure, 
but uh, you may not be able to see the PowerPoint either, but I'll try to communicate best I can, and I know Zach's going to put that out on, on an email too, so you can go back and look at it. But, um, but like Zach said, I, I've, I work at Briarwood. I have the pleasure of doing this kind of presentation to our parents and other churches. Um, I'm married to Allison. We've been married 18 years, have two daughters, Elle and Caroline. They're 11 and 8. Elle's about to be 12. So, uh, but I love, to, I love to just have this time with parents uh, to see, obviously, how important parents are in the life of our youth, and we couldn't do it without them. And like I said, we're just trying to build on what they're already doing. Um, one of, uh, well, my boss, one of my bosses, but my main boss, Benny Parks, uh, when I started doing some parenting classes, uh, I was talking through uh, these parenting classes with him, and he's been on staff for 30-plus years, started in youth ministry, and uh, I was kind of talking through some stuff with him on parenting a few years ago, and he looked at me and said, you know, I used to do parenting classes until I became a parent, and that's when I stopped. And, uh, and I, you know, and I just thought, that, that's so true, though, and that's the way I feel. Anytime I get up and talk about parenting, I immediately reflect on my own parenting and my failures and my inadequacies. And so, uh, so I, I, I come to you humbly, uh, being a parent that uh, makes lots of mistakes, and, so, you know, we're still, we're still trying to figure it out. And, um, and it's hard. It's hard to be a parent. And, you know, everything else in life, uh, the more you do it, the better you become at it. And I feel like parenting is the opposite. Like, the more I do this, the worse I feel that I am at it. God just keeps breaking me down and reminding me, You're, this is not you. You need to trust in me. And, uh, but I'm thankful for that. So, uh, but if you have your Bibles, open to Deuteronomy 6. But I want to start it out this way. So COVID's hit us pretty hard. Let me ask you, what are some buzzwords that you've heard with COVID? Just some buzzwords that existed, but not like they do now. Now they're just like common words that we throw around. So audience participation. What's that? Quarantine, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Quarantine. What else? Face mask, yeah. Yep. Vaccine, yeah. Absolutely. Six feet apart, yep. Mandates, yep. Social distancing, that's right. The, yeah, the new normal, flatten the curve. I mean, there's so many. Well, one that I hear all the time is pivot. You know, you, you, we had to pivot. Like, we, we weren't prepared for this as a church, or our business wasn't prepared for this. We were doing, you know, we're serving food, and we didn't use Grubhub or, you know, or uh, Uber Eats. We had to pivot our business model. Well, I feel like in parenting, uh, at least, and I'm sure older generations have had to do this, but I feel like that is the word in our culture for parenting. How many of y'all, when you had, when you started praying about having kids, when you got married and dreamed of having kids, that you were going to have to deal with the stuff that you're having to deal with right now? Probably none of us. I mean, I, I maybe wouldn't have had kids if I knew all that I was going to have to deal with in the culture and the, the agenda and the messages and the, the access to everything that uh, that we don't want our kids to have, right? And so as parents, we, we've kind of had to pivot. This is not what we thought it was going to be. This is in some ways harder. This is more difficult. What do we do? We can't do what our parents did with us. We're having to pivot. So keep that in mind. Uh, the Lord is, uh, is going to give us the ability to pivot, and, uh, and it's good if we're thinking that way. 
And that's why you're here is, is I think probably because you've learned, you've realized, okay, I've got to get, I've, I've got to be equipped to be parents in this generation. So if you have uh, your Bibles, Deuteronomy 6 is a great just foundational passage about parenting. And, uh, and I think this is just the posture of parenting and the posture of your home that God kind of gives us this blueprint for how should our family look? How should our parenting look? What, what should this look like? And we go in Deuteronomy 6, uh, chapter 4, I mean, chapter 6, uh, verse 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. All right, stop there. So who is he talking to? He's talking to parents. You should teach these words, parents, now to your children. So the challenge to the, uh, that Moses is giving is to the parents. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And it's just a reminder to us that, that we've got to be nurturing our own spirit. We've got to be growing in our own relationship with Christ if we're going to then go teach our children because they're watching they are watching and, and picking up on everything. And so it's not just what we say, it's what we do. So I think as we kind of think about parenting, it's this call that, that we've got to love the Lord, our God, with our heart, soul, and mind, and put into place what we know is important for us to be growing in our, in our faith, spending time with the Lord, enjoying fellowship together, coming to worship, studying his word, all those things. Then he goes and says, um, you shall teach them diligently the law of the Lord to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What God is telling us is our homes should be God-centered. They should be Christ-centered. And many of our homes are, are media-centered, if we're to be honest with, with ourselves. They're, they're they're not as God-centered as they should be. But if someone were to come in our home and say, all right, is your home more God-centered or media-centered? We might be guilty of the fact that our home is really media-centered. That's where we're spending a lot of our time, more than talking about the things of the Lord. And so uh, just a good challenge to, to think about as we go in, because we're to be diligent. We're to, we're to work hard at our parenting. And technology is one of those issues where we have to be diligent to teach them how to how to manage how to how to use technology how to use technology uh, for god's glory and the truth is is that we have an enemy and he's out to destroy the bible tells us he's like a roaring lion waiting to devour and so what is his goal to teach them to teach them uh to to point them away from the truth to teach them false ideas to put bad influence around them, to tempt them, right? I love this book, Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle. He says this about, this about children. He says, he gives several reasons why it's so important to exhort young men, and this is, I think, just young men and women. Um, but he says this, he says, one of the reasons is the devil uses special diligence to destroy the souls of young men, and yet they seem not to know it. And he says, you are those children you are those on whom he displays all his choicest temptations. He spreads his net with the most watchful carefulness to entangle your hearts. He baits his trap with the sweetest morsels to get you into his power. He displays his merchandise before your eyes with his utmost ingenuity in order to make you buy his sugared poisons 
and eat his accursed dainties. You are the grand object of his attack. May the Lord rebuke him and deliver you out of his hand. And I think we see that in one of Satan's best tools is media technology. And he's being diligent. And so what God's saying is we've got to be diligent. We've got to be diligent in our teaching and our preparing our children because um, it's unique. And, and we do have a serious challenge ahead of us. We have a generation that's entrapped, addicted, obsessed with screens and social media, right? Gen Z, iGen, post-millennials, screenagers is what we call a lot of our kids in our youth group. You're just a screenager because um, they're always on the screen. Uh, what characterizes them? Social media, screens, iPads, iPhones, iWatches. Um, they're influenced by different influencers than we were ever influenced by. I, I was influenced by Zach on Saved by the Bell and DuckTales after school. And who are their influencers? Everybody on Instagram and YouTube and social media. That's the new influencers. And so my goal today is not just to scare you. And really, we don't want to scare them. We want to teach them that, man, God can use technology for his good and his glory. It's not a bad thing. But Satan can also use it to destroy them. But it's going to take diligence for us to do that well. So uh, technology, how would I define that? Um, Well, it gives us unlimited, overwhelming access to anything, anywhere, at any time, right? And so that's us having to pivot. Our kids now have, if they have any kind of smartphone, smart device, they have unlimited access uh, to anything, anywhere, anytime. And if they don't have it, guess who does? their friend. And so you've, you've got to deal with it, even if you're pulling it away from them right now. Um, so what's our goal? Our goal as parents is to protect our children and to teach them how to use technology responsibly for God's glory. Not to just take it from them and, and never let them have it, see it. Um, we have to remember, and I have to remind myself of this in my parenting, that I'm not raising children. I'm raising adults. And so I'm trying to raise children to become adults, to take the phone, take the iPad, take whatever the new technology is, and be able to use it appropriately and to know when, uh, and to know how to use it in a, in a good way and a bad way. So I just thought I would look at some images that are pretty telling. A picture can say a thousand words. So um, put, that, put the next image on the screen. I think that's, uh, that's, that's the world we live in right there. I mean, everybody's on their phone. Notice nobody's doing this. You, you will not see a teenager do this anymore. They don't, they don't verbally talk. Now, they, they may FaceTime or Snapchat videos or something, but they're never doing this anymore. It's just a different day. We'll go to the next one. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, how many times do you see that when you're out and, like, teenagers are just hanging out or whatever or adults and everybody's just on their phone? Or maybe it's Thanksgiving in your house or Christmas morning and, Everybody's just, and, and you get convicted about it. You're like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not spending any time with my family. Um, this one, uh, I think, is uh, pretty, you know, you've just got a student or something, and they've got all these devices that they're using, right? So how many of y'all uh, would admit that you double screen sometimes? Come on. Yeah, everybody. Double screen. you got your phone and the TV going at the same computer. How about triple screen? I do it. I've got my phone, I've got my computer, and I've got my TV. I mean, it's it's crazy uh, how we do that, right? Count, real quick, count your devices in your house. Count how many screens just in your head. I'll give you, I'll give you 30 minutes to do it because you probably need that much time. 
iWatches, iPads, kids' devices, TVs. I mean, you lose count, don't you? I mean, it's crazy how many screens we have, how much access our kids have. So if you did your tech quiz, all right, we'll have some fun with this uh, a little bit, but uh, tech quiz, uh, question number two. We're going to skip number one right now. How many social media accounts does the average person have? All right, so let's, uh, how many of y'all put two? All right, how many of you put eight? How many of you put 15? All right, eight. Okay, so you got, so y'all are doing pretty good. I tried to stump you on some of those. Some of them were give me's, but um, all right, let's go to the next image. Uh, This one makes me sad and very convicted. Um, See, because it's not just our children that we're really having to deal with with technology. It really is us, isn't it? I mean, again, I've been so convicted so many times where I've ignored my own child because of a text or an email or I'm doing research or something, right? The next image, uh, I mean, this could be, that could be my house at different points. That makes me so sad when I think, when I put my daughter's face right there, it's, it's very, very convicting. Uh, the next one, um, same thing, uh, just just uh, really sad. But I think that's the, we don't want that as parents. We don't want them to be neglected because of our use. We've got to show, uh, we've, got to, we've got to be a good example of this. Um, so what is our, what's the main technology that they're using? What, is, what, what I really want to focus on, and it's, uh, it's the iPhone, uh, that, that's really where they're, where we see teenagers, you know, on all the time. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a fifth arm, I mean, a, a third arm, a, a fifth limb, whatever you want to call it. It's attached to them at all times. It's part of their body. You ever just go find a teenager somewhere and grab their phone and see what happens. It's like a diary. It really is. It's like, no, 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 give me that back. And it doesn't mean that they necessarily have anything on it. They probably do. That's not inappropriate. Good chance. But it is. It becomes something sacred to them. Uh, it's like their diary. It's. 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 And it, and it can be very, very unhealthy. Um, so, what? Uh, let's go to the next slide. So this was one of our, our our questions. So on average, how many times does a smartphone user touch their phone a day? All right. So we had a 260. How many of y'all said 260? All right. See, y'all are smart. Y'all know that I'm going to put some really crazy numbers and some, like, minor numbers on there, and you went in the middle on that one. All right, how many put 26? How many put 2,600? All right, put the answer up. 2,600. Okay, Axis, by the way, one, a great resource is, is a ministry called Axis, and they basically are a ministry that's helping parents with culture. Now, they're not reformed. They're not PCA, so, you know, Take it with a grain of salt, filter through it, but most of their content's really, really good, and they've done a lot of research 2,600 times of just, uh, and that's not even including just looking at the time, 2,600 times a day. I think that is, uh, that is crazy. So just for fun, let's, let's answer a couple more of these tech questions, uh, and we'll move on. Well, let me, uh, let me put, the, the, put the next one up there. The top 10% touch their phone 5,400 times a day. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, so tech quiz number three. You, the reason I put some of these on here is is because you'll see these these words or things come through on text, or you'll see them come through on somebody talk about them on Instagram, and 
I think it's good just to know what's out there. So if you see a teenager with a semicolon drawn on their body, what does this indicate? That they're gay or they support those who are LGBTQ, they're suicidal, or they love grammar and want everybody around them to know it. All right? How many of y'all put A, they're gay, or they support LGBTQ? Okay. How many of you put B, they're depressed? All right. B. So teenagers put a little semicolon. That means they're suicidal. They're working through. They've had thoughts. And, um, and it's kind of their way of saying, hey, I'm with you if you struggle with this. It's really a call for, um, for help. All right. Question number four, what does the term baddie mean? You'll hear them say that, hear it texted, uh, different things. So someone that drives you crazy, a guy's term for a girl that's dressed slutty, a girl's term for a girl that's being deceptive. All right. How many of y'all put A? All right. That's what I always said it. Like, oh, she's baddie. Like, or he's baddie. Like, that meant crazy. That's not how they use it now. How many of you put B? All right. How many of you put C? All right, so guys use it a different way than girls use it. It's actually B and C. You hear girls say it, it's going to mean something different. You hear guys say it, it's going to mean something different. All right, y'all should get this one. I believe in y'all. All right, what does the term Karen mean? Do y'all know that? Okay, everybody know that? Okay. Uh, a term, I had a hard time, like, describing what that meant. I, I think I got close to it. It's C, a term used to describe a suburban mom with first world problems. So kids now will... We'll talk to each other and say, oh, my mom's being such a Karen. Like she's complaining or whining or whatever. And so they'll text it or whatever. All right, last one uh, for now. What does spill the tea mean? Juicy gossip, a beverage served hot or cold, or pass the marijuana? How many of y'all put A? All right. How many of you put B? How about C, pass the marijuana? All right, it's A, juicy gossip. All right, I got some of y'all. That makes me happy. All right. Um, so... Uh, so let's look at the next, uh, the question. Where do you think the most dangerous place for a teenager is? Yep. I think it's their, uh, you can go to the next slide. I think it's their home. And, you know, it, it's, it, they have devices that were given to them by their parents. They're supposed to be policed by their parents, but a lot of times they're not. Um, or they have devices in their house that aren't theirs, but they're owned by their parents. They're not their cell phone. Maybe it's their Xbox or the PlayStation, which you can get on the Internet, on the Wii, the Xbox, the PlayStation, full Internet search on there. Okay, so if you don't have that locked down, or maybe they've gotten an old iPod or an old iPhone that you put in your sock drawer, and they get it and they look at it, or maybe they just have a phone and there's no, uh, there's no um, blocks on it. But the most dangerous place for a teenager is really, or a child, sadly, is, is a lot of times in their own home uh, because uh, we give them technology and we don't really think through it and prepare, prepare them for it. So um, I went and asked around a bunch of students several, several years ago, just kind of I was doing one of these technology uh, talks and I was asking them questions like, what would you want your parents to know if they could know it but knew you weren't saying it, right? So what should I tell parents? Well, one teenager said, well, I would just want them to know that I'm addicted to social media and I need help, but I don't want them to take it away. It's this, I love it, but I hate it. Um, one of them said, uh, I would want them to know that I, that I accidentally stumble on porn while I was looking up a Bible verse. Happens all the time. They get on there and look up something and it just, something pops up. 
especially for guys when something pops up and it's provocative, they have a hard time just not clicking it. And it takes a lot of self-control. So the sad thing is you don't really have to look for it anymore. It looks for you, and that's what makes it so, so hard. Um, That was a girl. Uh, One of the girl, freshman girl in high school said, I see a lot of homosexual stuff on my Instagram account. I wish there was a way to, like, be on there and not see it. But, y'all, she sees it. They see it over and over and over and over again, even when they're not looking at it. Just agendas, messages, uh, people, just, things just posting up. It's My wife's a real estate agent, and one of the things they talk about is mindshare. And they say, you know, what you want to do as a real estate agent, you just want to get in people's minds. So that's why if you, if you know a real estate agent, that's why you receive like a thousand things that you get and throw away immediately. Because you, do, you put, oh, Allison Shaw, real estate agent. No, I'm not, I'm not wanting to sell my house. That's one of four. Throw it away. And, but all, all they're doing is just trying to get in your mind so that next time when you're thinking about buying a house, maybe that name comes up. Well, that's what Satan's doing with Instagram and YouTube and TV and commercials. Just mind share. They may not even be looking up homosexuality or looking up sex. But, but it's coming up in their, in their feed or on the commercial, and it's just the images, the message, they're just popping into their mind, and, and uh, it's just there. So another student, a uh, guy in high school says, any guy that doesn't have blocks is looking at porn. And I was with a group of guys, and I said, all right, do you all think that's true? And they were like, absolutely. And I said, well, how many of you all have blocks? And one of them raised their hands. So basically they just said, we're looking at porn. Um, but we knew that already. Um, another high schooler said, I'm bored, so I just get on it. Another one said, I would, be, I would be better without my smartphone. I would be closer to God without my phone. It's a distraction. It's another high school student. I just think they realize it, but they need help because they hate it and they love it. They want, the, they want to be able to communicate with their friends and do all those things, but they see it's so dangerous and they just need help. You know, your children, my children, they crave discipline from us. They know deep down inside they need it. I, I was going to punish one of my daughters one time, but we were, um, gosh, I, I can't remember where we were, but uh, I was, I, I'm going to punish you when we get home. And I got home and started doing stuff, and she came up to me and said, hey, don't forget, you were going to punish me. She doesn't do that anymore, but she did it then. And I just thought, wow, that's so, I heard Pastor Reader say the same thing at our church about, one, about Ike one time, but then I saw it with my own. They, they know they need it. They don't like it, but they know they need it. God's made them to associate discipline with love, right? Uh, the child that doesn't get discipline is illegitimate, the Lord says. And so they, they, they know that's built in. Uh, we, had a, out, we had a girl that was struggling with drinking and Usually when we have a, a, a student that's struggling with something like that that their parents need to know pretty quickly. Um, you know, it's always the balance of, okay, I'm so glad they trusted us with this information. And they're telling me because I'm not their parent. But they're not telling me because they don't want me to do anything about it or else they wouldn't tell me because I'm also not their friend. I'm this weird middle ground. And so what do we do with this information? Well, we know usually something like that. We've got to get it to the parent somehow. And the best thing to do is have them get it to the parent. And so my wife was meeting with this girl. She got caught drinking. She said, I think you need to go tell your parents. Just tell them you're struggling with it. Come out with the truth. Bring it to light. And she goes and tells her parents. And her parents said, thank you for telling us. We love you. Just, you know, just try not to do that again. 
And uh, next weekend, she went out and drank and got drunk. And she met with Allison again and just and said this. I'll never forget it. It's probably 18 years ago. She said, I wish my parents would have just disciplined me. I needed it. I couldn't handle it. Just thought that was really telling. All right, so uh, next slide. What are the dangers of technology, especially cell phones? What are some of the dangers? I'm going to fly through these as much as I can, but, um, but just a waste of time, right? Just a waste of time. Um, screen addiction. Like, if you take, for teenagers, if you take their phone away, some of them have withdrawals. I mean, it, they, like, literally have withdrawals. Um, self-worship. It just it constantly makes them think about themselves. How do I look compared to everybody else? Do I look good? Do I not look good? Um, it's all about them, right? False sense of community. I have lots of friends. Well, who are they? And they'll name you people they've never even met before. Um, it's this, or they know them, but they they build their friendship through their Snapchat or their texting instead of just getting time with people. I was at Zaxby's with with a group of freshmen. And two guys were sitting, one was sitting by me and two were sitting over here and two of them were texting back and forth, having a conversation at the table. And I was like, what are y'all doing? And they weren't saying anything like, usually when that happens, they're making fun of me or somebody. They don't want anybody, but they were literally just having a conversation. It's like, guys, what are y'all doing? So just this false sense of community, the way that they communicate to each other, um, identity crisis, all the messages of who are you? What, you know, what's your point? What's what? Why are you here? All those things. And what Satan's trying to tell them is you're not God's child. No, you're your sexuality. You you should identify yourself as what what, uh, you know, with, with sexuality or you should identify yourself as this or that. Um, vulnerability to predators. I mean, that's an obvious thing. Uh, bullying. There's so much cyberbullying going on. It's it's really scary. Worldly influencers teaching unbiblical world and life view. Uh, Psalm says, you know, do not uh, stand, do not uh, walk, stand, or sit uh, amongst the scoffer or those who, um, or those who give bad advice, those who reject God, those who are not wise. And yet these kids are sitting under the influence of the 21st century influencers, which are Instagram influencers or YouTube influencers or whoever. Sexual confusion, um, exposure, and addiction to pornography is just rampant. Uh, reputation ruin. And so what do we say just as parents? I would say first step is to be informed. So I want us to talk through that. What does it look like for us to be informed? Because we can't take action unless we know what's out there, what, unless we understand what's before us. And then how do we take action on some of those things? But this is really hard, isn't it? One, uh, this is from this uh, ministry axis, but I love this quote. He says, this is a dad of three. I always feel three apps behind my kids. That's why it's so hard because they've already moved on. If, you're, if you know and are familiar with an app, it's because it's no longer cool to them anymore. Like you're, we're all behind. Facebook was like the thing for, forever and it still is, but not with teenagers. They don't do it. Um, and as soon as we get on Instagram, the more we get on it, the, the, they're going to get off. Um, and so we've got to stay up with uh, technology. We've got to be diligent in that. Uh, another quote, having a teenager in your home is like 
uh, having live-in tech support. I think you have to hit it a couple times. That is, that they just know intuitively how to use it. My eight-year-old got on our phone one day. Well, let me take a picture of you, mom. And she did like five filters and sent it to me. And Allison was like, how do you know how to do that? Like, she does not have a phone. We don't let her just get on our phone. Somehow she just intuitively knew how to do it. And so it really is like having a tech support in your own home. So what about apps? All right, so I want to kind of get into, let's, let's, you know, let's be informed. Because I don't, I don't know where your kids are and, and where you are in your parenting. So if you have elementary school kids, then... Um, then there's a good chance there maybe there maybe you've given them your phone to look at maybe they've got a school iPad or uh, or maybe they have an iPad you have an iPad that the family uses um, but they probably don't have I'm guessing maybe some of them do and I won't judge you for this um, I'll just tell you that you need to take it today when you get home but a lot of them uh, I'm guessing you don't have an elementary school that just owns an iPhone um, right now maybe you do We're, we've got a fifth fifth grader. And so we're talking about what do we give her. Um, but if you have a junior high or senior high, there's a good chance they've got some kind of smartphone. And so uh, what are some things you need to be aware, aware of? All right, so on the app store, what I always tell parents is if they have any smartphone, you've just wide open, the door is wide open for them to the world, right? They can see anything, anytime, anywhere. And so what about the app store? What a lot of parents do is they'll delete or they'll turn, turn off Safari so they can't get on the, on the Internet. Um, well, that y'all know this, but that doesn't work because you can get on the app store and download 100 different browsers and um, look up whatever you want, delete it, and then repeat. And that's what they do. Download, delete, repeat. Um, and a lot of this stuff that I'm covering, by the way, is in this book, Smartphone Sanity, which is a great great book. I really recommend go buy it today. It walks through all, I mean, conversations you need to have, contracts to iPhone agreements to uh, dangers in the app store, the internet. It talks about specific apps, the smartphone domain that I handed out on there. So I would really encourage that. Um, so download, delete, repeat. You've got to turn the app store off. Um, there's also secret apps that they can download on there. And you would never know either that they're on their phone because they put them in these invisible folders on their phone that, that you can't find, or they put it, they have a folder, and then in that folder it has some apps and it has another folder, and you click on that folder and it has another folder, and they just go like levels of folders and they hide them. But there's also apps that look like other apps that are, that aren't, uh, that are uh, secret apps. I'm going to show you a video in a few minutes of that. Um, but they have folders within folders, invisible folders, and then apps with direct messaging. So Instagram, all those apps, they can just get on there and talk to anybody they want through the app. And, and even if you have texting uh, turned off, they have any of those things. There's all kinds of texting apps that they can download, and they can direct message through basically uh, a, a lot of these social media apps. But I wanted to show this video of this hidden calculator app that we actually had a problem with. Some of the kids that went to Broward School were using an app like this to hide pornography. They were sending it back and forth uh, to set up drug, some drug deals. I mean, it was pretty serious stuff. Um, and this is one of those. I think we've got it uh, pulled up. I'm sure there's going to be an ad maybe too because it's YouTube. But.
All right, so basically when you open the phone, it looks like the iPhone calculator, right? It looks like the iPhone calculator. You click it, and you put in whatever numbers you've set up, one, two, three, and it takes you to this whole, like, app where you can communicate, you can store pictures, you can send pictures, you can the web browser. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff like that. So what percentage of people are using it to, as a spy calculator? Not zero. I mean, they're, they know uh, what they're doing with that. So uh, crazy stuff like that. So you have to be aware of what's out there. Look at turn off the app store. That is a major, major thing. Turn off the app store. All right. So what about web browsers? Um, the slide I, I just put up here, there's native browsers. Those are the browsers when you get an iPhone or an Android and you open it up, it automatically has Safari or Chrome or whatever. They're just on there. You can turn those on and off. All right. But then they can go in and and download any other browser that they want to. So Firefox, Opera, Edge, Chrome, Google, there's tons of them, right? And here's the thing. If you set restrictions, those don't have an age restriction. They're just every, they're rated everybody. It's just a Google browser. Um, so if you set restrictions to 17, but you don't turn off the app store, they can download any, any app that they want and go get on the internet and look at anything they want, delete it, repeat it. Um, and then you've got in-app browsers. So you can get, you can turn off the apps, but then if they have Google Maps on there, they can click Google Maps. They can go to the bottom where it says settings or contact, and you, you, you have to go a couple levels. And then uh, somewhere there it has a link to Google, and you click that. And now through the app, you're on Google search engine. But there's no history of it because it's in the Google Maps app. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a Google browser, but it has the ability to browse. You can do it with ESPN, Twitter. You just get on there, and they just click around, and somewhere – in, through the app, there'll be a Google link, and it takes them to a browser. And there, now it just looks like your Google browser. Um, and then they can turn on private browsing. Um, You've got to turn that off. Make sure you turn that off. That's basically porn mode. It's called incognito. Um, all right, so what about Instagram? So how many of you all have Instagram? No judgment. Okay. I think Instagram's great. I mean, we use it for the youth group. We, we use it for our church. We're promoting things through it. Um, great way to, to communicate to people. Um, but it also has a, a very, very dangerous side. I mean, and you all know if you have it, things pop up on your, you know, just in your, on the homepage. I mean, crazy things pop up. Um, uh, you can hashtag whatever, and it's on there. You know, you're not, you, don't, you don't have to follow people. You can hashtag LGBTQ, and then it's going to be all LGBTQ stuff. Uh, it is it is one of Satan's greatest tools right now to influence uh, the next generation in their ideas, what they think is true, who they are, what it means to have an identity, what is sexuality, because all these people are getting on there and they're making videos and they're posting comments and they're putting their agenda out there and our kids are following them or, or they're popping up, that mindshare thing. It's very, very, very dangerous. Um, it, it is truly who they walk, sit, and stand with. Uh, Instagram, and so we have to be careful with that, and we have to know what's out there. Um, and then they can just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. So a lot of dangers there. Um, obviously, somebody can follow them uh, and uh, and you know get information from them. They can direct message each other in the app, send pictures to each other privately, all those things. So you have to be very very careful. A lot of kids are doing uh, this Finstagram. Uh, which is a fake Instagram account. So they've got one that their parents looked at, but then they've got another one that maybe they uh, looked at bad stuff with and they delete it and reload it every time. And so um, did I ruin one of the tech questions? I did. What's Finsta? 
Um, y'all, uh, saying that means finish the joint quickly, fake Instagram account or orange flavor soda. How many of y'all got that right? Okay, that was an easy one. That was a give me. All right. Um, but it's getting lots of people in trouble. Lots of kids love it. They love posting their stuff. But, I mean, there's so many dangers with that, right? They get, they, they get depressed when people don't like their pictures. They get, um, they get sucked in and just because they want to like everybody else's pictures. Or they just get on there and look at a bunch of trash, whether they mean to or not. Or not. So um, this is, we'll put up a picture. I'm going to try to not stay on some of these. But this next picture is uh, Haley Bieber, Justin Bieber's girlfriend. And I've tried to, like, there, you know, it's like I'm going to be in a worship center. So there's like just images that we all need to see, but I'm, we're just in the Lord's house, so I can't put them up here. So I, I tried to go PG-rated, PG-13. But just, it can be things like that, or the next slide is from Taylor Swift, music video, and it's all about her agenda and belief on sexuality, and they're just all dressed up, um, you know, in their rainbow colors. And that's Taylor Swift. They all love Taylor Swift, but she's got an agenda. She's got a message, and she's putting it out there. And the thing is, is a teenager or, or, a, or a tweenager doesn't have the ability to process this. Like, oh, Taylor Swift, okay, I, I liked her music, so what does that mean about her view on sexuality? And, um, and that's why it's so dangerous. And here's the thing, especially with homosexuality, is that um, they're already confused they're already sexually charged as a teenager, and then you come in and you throw messages from people they like or respect or look up to that they they don't know they should like or respect or look up to, and uh, and Satan uses that. We have we've had more seventh and eighth graders struggle with their sexuality than high school students because they that that's where that's where the message is being honed in on the most that age group because they're already sexually confused their bodies are changing they're developing attraction and so satan is saying this is the time right here take advantage of it this is a guy named james charles uh tons of people follow him uh he's a makeup artist he came out uh as he was gay at the age of 12 and so uh he he talks about gender and identity and all those things uh but he uh but that's him i mean those are both him. So he does his makeup, makes himself look like a girl, and he does that. And they, people follow him. Teenagers follow him. He's very well known. Um, the next one is Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Rose. Uh, and, uh, and obviously, I had to crop some of that out there. And I told my wife, uh, we were doing this together just as accountability to say, all right, I've got to, you know, I, I, you know, she was helping me find pictures and all those things. So. Um, but I cropped that out just because it was more revealing than that. But Lily Rose says this in her, one of her Instagram posts. You don't have to label your sexuality. So many kids these days are not labeling their sexuality, and I think that is so cool. If you like something one day, then you do it. And if you like something else the other day, it's whatever. You don't have to label yourself because it's not set in stone. It's so fluid. That's the message of the day. So she's part of a project whose goal is to photograph 10,000 people who identify as anything other than straight and post it on Instagram. All right, what about Snapchat? Got to be, you got to know about Snapchat. Everybody wants Snapchat that's a teenager or a tweenager. Um, and uh, y'all, I'm, I'm sure because it's been out for a while, y'all know a lot about it. But uh, basically allows users to send pictures or videos that disappear. They're only there for, for a prescribed amount of time. 
and so uh, so you can send it and it disappears. But what a lot of what a lot of them do when they get a picture is they just screenshot it. Now they've got it forever, and um, and so kids just get in a lot of trouble with that. But there is all kinds of trash on Snapchat. I mean, uh, even worse than Instagram that they can get into and see and talk to strangers, share things with with their friends that they shouldn't share, um, and they love it. Um, and it's funny that you can get, like, on Fox 6 News has a Snapchat. I'm like, why is anybody going to get on, like, Snapchat to look at the news? Uh, I, don't, I don't get that, but, uh, but businesses use it. It's interesting. So, um, so uh, be careful with Snapchat. All right. There, there's also, like, this, this streak. Have you all heard of Snapchat streaks? Where you just go back and forth, like, and just keep, you know, hitting the like button and they try to get how many streaks they can have going back and forth and it lasts for days and they can't miss it and they're obsessed with it. Um, TikTok. So one of your packets is on TikTok. Uh, that fairly new. Um, but it's a huge, huge uh, app, social media uh, application. So tech quiz number nine is on TikTok. How many people are using TikTok monthly? Six million, six hundred million or 1.1 billion. How many of y'all put a 6 million? All right. 600 million. All right. C. It's 1.1 billion people on TikTok. It's like become the, the, it's downloaded more than Instagram and all the other ones right now. And y'all, oh my gosh. I mean, it, it basically allows users to, to upload a, a, a video that's 15 seconds or less, right? You can add filters, you can edit it. You can do all kinds of things. There's some funny things on there. There's some cute things on there. It's fun. My little 11-year-old daughter, like, wants to do TikTok all the time. We haven't done it, opened it, looked at it. But somebody at school does it, and, and, um, and she wants to do it. But you can, you, can da- I mean, you can look at videos on sexual content, one-night stands, sex with your stepsister, homosexuality. I mean, it's just terrible, terrible stuff. Profanity, inappropriate dancing, drugs, alcohol, dirty how-tos. I mean, whatever you want to know how to do it, it'll be on TikTok, and, and you can look at it. Sexual predators. Um, that's one of the things that is hard with TikTok is that um, really makes it easier for strangers to direct message children through it. It can be really dangerous. By default, when you download it, all your account is by default public. So if you don't go in there, if somebody doesn't go there and change it, Everybody can see, like, talk to anybody that's got the app on their phone. So that's TikTok. YouTube, I love YouTube. For like, I could watch YouTube fails all day long, and we do that as a family sometimes, um, right after dinner devotions. But, um, but I love it. But, again, anything and everything you can think of is on YouTube. I mean, I would challenge you to go think about it. Think, what would not be on YouTube? And it'll probably be on there. Um, how to commit suicide. How to make meth. How to have oral sex. Um, you name it, it's on there. There's a how-to and a video to show you how to do it. How to fix your dryer, which helped me a ton uh, about two years ago. All right. How many of y'all have a smart TV? Okay, almost everybody probably does. Roku has hidden porn channels. I mean, you go and just type in sex or something. And, you know, you got your apps that are like the most popular, like Hulu and HBO Now, which is a porn channel, uh, CBS News, Vudu, Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, I mean, all those things. But then you can also search deep, dark into Roku, and there's all kinds of just homemade, whatever, 
terrible sex channels on there. Roku. So if you have a Roku in your house, there's and you've got you probably got Hulu, you probably got Netflix, you probably got Sling, you probably got some of those, which in and of themselves you need parent controls on because there's trash on all of those. But they can get on uh, Roku and look up other things and download other channels on your TV at home. And so I really like Amazon Fire. I think it's really good because you can you have a lot more control over your smart TV with Amazon Fire. It's not perfect. Um, so there's lots of things that we need to be informed about, right? Um, so many dangers, identity crisis, depression, mental health, um, and children are being more and more exposed to it in an earlier age. One of the most dangerous things out there is pornography. And here's my thing that I, I want to say as we get into this. When we had our first child, and y'all can relate to this, how much time did I spend, how much time did you spend going around and, and like, child-safing your house? Every plug was was plugged, you know, whatever those things are. The poison was taken out and moved up to the upper cabinets. You know, you, I mean, you went around, you moved the, the, the you know, the, the gun, the, the knives, the whatever, anything that was in reach, right? You moved them. Why? Because you knew that if they got certain things in your house, they could die, right? So how many of y'all moved the coffee table out of your room because you thought they would bump their heads? Yeah, I did too. I was going to say, I did that. Um, but there were other things uh, that we didn't move because we couldn't move everything, right? So there were things that we just had to help help them manage, right? Well, the iPhone technology is the poison in the cabinet. Like, you can't just get on there and say, you know what? They're going to bump their head a few times. They'll be okay. No, because if they get on there and look at the wrong thing, which is very easy to do, to do, then it's it can destroy them. It can be things that can send them down a road that it's hard to come back from. It can be images that are etched in their mind forever. It can be uh, things they struggle with for the rest of their lives. It can put them in, in, in physical harm. And one of the most dangerous things is pornography. Pornhub, one of the most popular sites that you can access. Tech quiz number 10. It's, it's uh, what is the average number of daily visits to their site each day? How many of y'all put 81 million? All right, that's it. And that was three years ago, so I don't even know, or two years ago. I don't even know what it is now. 81 million visits to Pornhub. Um, that is that is scary. Um, it's free pornography. Uh, so you can go to the next slide. Here. I think this is pretty, this is the next question, but uh, last question on the tech, tech quiz. What percentage of 13 and 14-year-old 14-year-olds have admitted to having viewed pornography online, all right? How many of you put less than 50% were boys? How many of you put less than 75%, 50 to 75%, all right? Okay, 90% of boys, 13 to 14, have admitted to viewing porn online. Um, And look, I'm in youth ministry, and that is absolutely true. I mean, every conversation, there's a thread of how are you doing with what you're looking at uh, with pornography, whether it's hardcore, softcore, whatever it is, pornography. How about girls? How many of y'all put uh, less than 50% of girls? Okay. How many of y'all put 50 to 75%? All right. Yeah. Barely made it. 70%. 
of girls have admitted to looking at pornography online. Um, how many of you have kids that are, uh, well, how many of you have kids that are, that are 12 and under right now? Okay, I'm going to go over this next thing because I think it's helpful. But just a couple statistics uh, first. One to five, uh, one, um, one to five kids aged 10 to 17 received a sexual solic- solicitation or were approached uh, on online. Uh, um, one in five kids, I'm sorry, that are 10 to 17 have received a sexual solicitation or were approached online by a sexual predator. Um, we already did the second one. Average age of exposure to porn is, is 10 years old. Um, only one-third of households with Internet access are protecting their children and filtering or blocking uh, software. That's from parenting the next gener- the Internet generation. Um, well, uh, I'm going to get to well, how do we have these conversations with our young kids. It's in the next section. And this is the last half. So um, helping so we're informed. We just got to know what's out there. And, and it, it, you know, I don't want to scare you. I don't want to scare myself, but we need to be scared. We need to be serious about it. We need to know this is not, these are not the coffee tables that our kids can bump their heads into. These, this is the poison that Satan's using, and we've got to, we've got to monitor it. We, how many of you would give your, your 12-year-old a gun and just say, hey, just don't use it the wrong way, right? But not teach him how to use it. Well, that's what we're doing with a smartphone. Here, just here's some rules. Don't do this. Go for it. And uh, they're just not ready for that. So what do we do? 11 steps for parents. I tried to make it a, a cool 10, but I couldn't. Um, one is come up with a plan together of how you're going to navigate through the challenges of technology. And think about all that go through and do, just do an inventory of your house. What is in our house that our kids can get on, look at, chat, look at bad stuff, download bad stuff. What's there and what's our plan for it? You know, because if you're going to have it in your house, then it's on you if they look at it. It's on you if they stumble up. It's on me. If I'm going to have it in my house, if I'm going to buy them whatever it is, then um, then if I don't coach them through it and I don't really think through it and they and they look on it, look look at it, then it's really on us, right? Now, if we do it right and we give them the rules and the boundaries, then at some point they've got to take personal responsibility for it too, right? But, um, but it's on us. And so cell phone, home computer, social media, video games, apps, TV, all of those things, Hulu, uh, Netflix, Prime. If I would have had Hulu, Prime, Netflix when I was 13 years old, it would have been very bad. It would have been very bad because I was looking at stuff uh, when I was that age, but it, it was hard to find. But if it would have been all those things, it would have been very bad for me. Um, and my parents just didn't have any rules about that. I had a TV in my, in my room. I got, and, and I struggled with pornography when I was in junior high and high school. And even in elementary school because we had HBO and Cinemax. And I turned the channel and saw stuff at 11 years old and didn't know what to do with it. And I went to college and we decided we're not going to have any TV. We're going we're gonna, to, you know, we were walking with the Lord and we didn't want that temptation so we're we're not having tv in our in our apartment at college and it was some of the best years of my life well i went back to my when i went back home i remember going back home and i had that tv in my room and we had all kinds of channels on it and my parents are awesome they're believers they just didn't think about it they probably thought oh jay's a great godly kid he would never look at anything like that little did they know 
And I remember moving the TV to my sister's room, who had, like was married and had moved off, and uh, and then went back to college. I came back, and my TV was back to my my room, my mom, and my mom said, "You can't just move the furniture around. Like you got to keep that in your room." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And so I cut the cable cord, and uh, and and just had to get away from it. Right? There was no plan for us in the house at all, and we suffered because of it. Uh, the second thing. Uh, we already talked about this, but stay informed. There are just some great resources. Access is a great resource. Um, there's a, um, a little book called uh, Student's Guide to Technology by uh, Reform Youth Ministry. This is a PCA guy, and, uh, and he suggested that parents go through this with their child before they give them any access to anything. Just use it as a little Bible study, meet with them, take them to breakfast for six weeks in a row, and just say, hey, part of you getting a cell phone, part of the agreement is we're going to go through this little book and talk about it. Right? There's some great uh, things here in this book as well. But, um, but also you can Google stuff. Be careful because you can, you can, uh, want, you can uh, just pull up some stuff you don't want to see too very easily. But it, you know, Google what is TikTok from a Christian perspective. And, um, and, there's some, and things will pop up that are very, very helpful. I've got a video that I'll play here in a second. But talk to other parents, network. Talk to other youth pastors and teachers. Um, some great online resources, Protect Young Minds, Access, CPYU is a great resource. If y'all are trying to write stuff down, I know Zach's going to send these out. So, um, But this is just, I just Googled, you know, uh, what is TikTok for parents? And, um, and this little video came up, and uh, it's just really helpful to, to educate yourself on. This is Common Sense Media, which is a great website. Uh, so that was number two. Just be informed. There are so many resources. And again, you've got to do the work. You've got to be diligent. It is a lot of work, and it's a pain to do it. Y'all know because you're probably already starting to do it now. It is a pain. The older they get, the more complex it gets. But we've got to be diligent. Number three, you own the phone. You make the rules. That is so important. Have that conversation before you give any child a device. This is not yours this is mine. I think one of the benefits of not letting them pay for it, so my parents would be like, you want a phone? You're going to pay for it. And I would have had to get a job at Kmart and work for it. But I think, and, and maybe you want to do that, but, and you can set up, an, you, you need to approach it a different way in terms of how you monitor that then. But I think one of the benefits of buying them a phone is that you own it. And, uh, and you own it, you make the rules, and, uh, and you tell them it's just like your bedroom. You don't pay for this bedroom, and so we make the rules for what happens in your bedroom. Um, you can use it, but we own it. You can use the phone, but under these conditions, get that out front early. Um, that needs to be about 
uh, that needs to be agreement. Be careful with your language. Don't call it their phone. Hey, turn your phone in. Hey, go get your phone. Don't try not to even use that language. Hey, go get the phone. By the way, that's, you know, that's not your phone. You know, you don't want to be like a phone Nazi. Like, don't do the, you know, don't helicopter too much on that. But, but I think it's really important. Uh, one quote says, when you make it clear that you own the phone, then their claims to privacy fall flat. And I think that's really important that, that this is not your diary. This is not something you can do things without me knowing. No, this is uh, our phone, and you're gonna, we're going to allow you to use it. I think you set them up for success. You want to teach them how to use it responsibly rather than letting, rather than letting them have it and then just taking it away when they cross the line. No, give them clear boundaries for that. You own it, and, they make the, and you make the rules. Um, what if you've already given your child a cell phone and, and you didn't do that? Well, go to them and repent and just tell them, look, I didn't do it right. You know, And uh, what are some things that maybe are... That, that are tempting to you with, with having this phone. Just repent. But I don't think the answer is just now it's too late. Just let them do whatever they want. Now you still have to deal with it as a parent. Number four, uh, kind of what I just said, but be proactive, not reactive. Rules and boundaries are easier to accept on the front end. And they'll be real excited to get a phone, and they'll be real excited about your rules too if it lets them get a phone. And so you've got, you can run with that. You can work with that. And you've got to remind them of that often, Right? Have clear expectations for them. I think that's, that's really helped. Um, and, you know, really they, found free, they find a lot more freedom in boundaries. Um, and, and you just have to remember that as a parent with technology. Uh, the fifth thing is I think this is really important. Give access based on maturity, not, um, uh, not on their age. That's supposed to say not on their age. Um, use the stair-step method. So avoid saying, hey, when you're 12, I'm going to give you a phone. Uh, because there's most 12-year-olds aren't ready. When you're 16, I'm going to give you a phone. I'd say do the same. with When you turn 16, we're going to let you drive. There's a lot of 16, 16-year-olds on the road right now that should be driving. But don't base it on age. Base it on their maturity. Uh, give access based on maturity. Use the stair-step method. And ask these questions before you give them uh, uh, technology or give them more access technology. I think... This is, uh, this is another thing from Axis. How well do they follow your rules now? Uh, my daughter, um, just the other day, did, you know, actually, it may have been today. I just, I, I've, I've got fog, uh, COVID uh, fog, brain fog still, but I think it was this morning. I said, hey, do not talk to your sister about that one more time. And uh, five seconds later, she went in the room and talked to her sister about it. And I said, you know, how... Can I trust you with a? She really wants a phone. How can I trust you with a phone if you can't? If you for, she said, I forgot. If you forgot five seconds after I told you something that was very clear not to do it. So she's not ready for a phone, and she's let us know that based on her conduct. And she's a sweet girl, but she's not ready for a phone. How well do they submit to your authority? What are their friendships like? If they have unhealthy friendships, then they're going to have unhealthy uh, social media. Uh, communication and they're going to their friends are going to have a lot of influence on them that you're not going to be able to see and so that's a major red flag um see kids a lot of times uh their friends pick them instead of them picking their friends and as parents we really have to help them understand there's a biblical strategy for picking your friends and what te- especially teenagers get 
get confused on their mission and, and uh, purpose in friendships. And they will look at a non-Christian and say, well, that's somebody I just love to hang out with and I get fellowship with. Instead, we have to teach them, no, anybody that's not a believer is living uh, uh, in, a, in rebellion to the Lord. Your mission in that friendship is not hangout fellowship. Your mission is evangelism, right? So you treat that friendship totally different than you would treat this friendship. Th- these are the friendships you need. Somebody that's a believer, right? And that you need to help them understand that. If they don't have healthy friendships, then um, they're going to really struggle with what they say and do on the phone. And then have you talked to them about porn, sexting, online predators, cyberbullying? Have you had those talks? Uh, I think this is really helpful. Just um, this next stair step method, uh, zero to 12, <coughs> just extreme supervision. Maybe you're just introducing them to a tablet. Um, your computer's in the, <coughs> in the living room. Use a parent's phone for messaging if they want to talk to their friends. But it's just full out monitoring it. Don't let them take it away and do something. By the way, watch your grandparents too. Because um, my, my, my mom has, you know, L, L, my oldest, came home one day and we saw something really bad on Mimi's phone. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, it was really bad. And, of course, they gave me the, like, I thought Mimi had showed them something bad, the way they explained it. But they were on some racing game and a, some terrible uh, pornographic image popped up. Because Mimi has no idea about apps and all that stuff. And it was, it was a game. It looked cute. And, uh, and the developers were you know, had an agenda behind it. So extreme supervision, right? Well, then when they get 13 to 15, you still use extreme supervision. That doesn't change. But maybe you're introducing a cell phone. If they're young, a gab phone or a phone called pinwheel where they can't, like, text picture. They can have an alarm. They can pick a, a camera. Um, but they can't, uh, they can't, some of them you can't text. You can't send pictures. You can't get on the Internet. But they look kind of like that. So they feel like they're, they're kind of in and, um, and it helps them learn how to start using a phone because you've got to get them a phone at some point. They're going to get a phone at some point, right? College, or maybe you're like, hey, when they get out of college, they'll get a phone. I don't recommend that. But, um, but they've got to learn how to fail and succeed under your roof. You don't want their first phone to be when they get into college. Just like I pray that my daughter's first date is maybe when she gets out of college. But also, I really want her to have some of those experiences when she's under our roof. Now, we're not going to be like, you know, encouraging her to go on as many dates as she can to have a long-term boyfriend. But I hope there's some kind of interaction so we can help her work through it. So when she does go off to college and the boys are asking her out, she'll have learned some lessons. And I think the same thing is true with a cell phone. So no internet, no apps. Think of the things they have to have that are essential. And you've got to look at your own child and know what they're ready and not ready for. 16 to 17, begin to introduce some more things, right? But have those conversations. Have those conversations. Um, one of the things that uh, Axis says is he says, do you have one conversation? And it starts when you give them technology and it ends when they're, you know, when you're 78. You know, it's, it, you have one long conversation. It's constant communication with your kids. And then age 18 plus, um, you're hoping that you've set, taught them how to set up accountability in their life and now they're going to do it naturally. That's our prayer and our hope. Um, I gave this handout. I think it's really helpful, the eight smartphone domains. Um, but let's go to number six. Um, have intentional and consistent conversations with your children about technology. Some need to be formal. We're thinking about giving you a phone. Here are our rules. Let's sit down and talk about it. Let's meet for six weeks until we agree to it. Some just need to be informal on the way home. Hey, what are your friends looking at these days? 
what what do people struggle in the 13 year olds what what are some things that the iphone's like not healthy for just see what they start talking about don't say what are you struggling with or any i mean you can say that but maybe make it even more informal than that uh with young children have conversations early about accidental exposure i think that's so important um and then with older children gather info uh, by asking them questions like what's the new app that kind of thing um but I think this is, this is really important. So some of you have young children. Protect young minds. The, there's lots of dangers in not having some of these conversations with young children because there's a good chance they're going to be exposed to something. It's going to be a tile on the Roku. It's going to be a commercial about two women that have a child and they're giving them an aspirate Tylenol and it's a Tylenol commercial about two lesbian mothers. I mean, there's gonna, they're going to be exposed to stuff if they have any screen around them. And so what happens, though, if we don't have these conversations is they, they, they're shocked. And, um, and they wonder um, whether their parents would even know what this is. Um, and, uh, and they can be shocked and confused. Or they're fearful. They, they sense what they're seeing is bad, and they think they're going to get in trouble because of it. Right? Or they're shame. They sense that it's bad, but they want to see more. They like it. Right? God's made us with sexual appetite. And even children that haven't gone through puberty, there's can be attracted to that stuff, but then they feel bad and they don't tell you at all. And so you want to tell your little children, hey, if you ever see anything, you're not going to be in trouble. We want to, we want to talk about it, right? Please come, please come talk to us about it. Um, so shame. Uh, and then dangers, fourth danger is the inability to verbalize. They, they, they don't know the words to say or they just feel lonely. Um, uh, they're lonely. Uh, because they don't have they don't have a way to process it so um, benefits of having these are, are just the opposite i don't know why my mic is messed up but it's okay we're gonna deal with it um they've uh they, they just if they see something they'll say oh my mom talked to me about this okay what do i do with this um they they there's more trust i can trust my parents that i can tell them this they have more confidence of knowing what to do they can process it my mom said if i ever see this do this immediately and i will be uh and and uh, turn the computer off or come tell us immediately and it and it uh will help with that shame that comes along the way all right i'm going to go skip the next slide and because we're running out of time here um number seven i think this is so important don't trust your children all right how many times do we say or hear people say well i trust my child or we want our kids to think we trust them and there's an element where we say look we want to build your trust. But at the same time, you need to know, you need to let them know that they are untrustworthy. Um, and so are we, by the way, that we have a flesh. Romans 7 and 8 are great chapters. Give them a personal example from your, for your own life. Uh, there's a reason why Allison has my password for my phone. There's a reason why, uh, why she can look at my phone and does any time that she wants to. There's a reason why the church at Briarwood has glass windows in every single office. Is it because they don't trust us? Yes and no. They know that we have an enemy. They know we have a flesh. And they know other people have an enemy and a flesh. And that's a bad combination. Uh, they trust us, but they also know the reality is that we sin. And so be real careful of that language. Uh, you want to build trust, but you always want them to know that they should not trust themselves. You heard about the pastor, true story, that uh, somebody was doing an interview, and he said, uh, the interviewer said, well, I mean, you're a pastor, so wow, what in the world do you struggle with? And he gave the good Christian answer, oh, I struggle with tons of stuff. I'm, I'm a sinner just like you are. 
But the one thing that Satan's not going to get me on is my marriage. Guess what happened? That's where he got, got him, right? Because he had confidence in himself, not in the Lord. He didn't remember that he is a flesh. And he, and, and, uh, and he let it go by the wayside. And so teach them about their flesh. Um, number eight, identify and help them identify certain sin tendencies. You, each of your children are going to struggle with, with something that is maybe unique to them, right? Uh, James talks about the lure, right? Um, when he's lured and enticed by our own desires, well, just like fish, different fish are lured by different lures, right? Well, humans are lured by different lures too, and Satan knows exactly what's going to get you and exactly what's going to get me, and he is going to go for it. And so have those conversations. Know what is their tendency. Are they, do they have a tendency to put something out there just because they want to be accepted? Do they have a tendency to just spend a lot of time on it because they don't have a lot of friends? What is their tendency? Number nine, Teach them to flee temptation and to uh, and not resist it. Help them create an internal filter. That is so important. We the Bible tells us don't resist temptation, resist the devil, but flee temptation. Run from it, flee from it, get out of the way of it. Um, deal drastically with your sin, and then help them uh, create that internal filter that you're always going back to the heart. I always say you want to make sin, you want to make them go the long way to sin, right? So you put a block up, now they can't go that way to the sin, so they have to go this way. They can still get to it, but you can make them go the long way, right? But even if you do all that, but you don't deal with their heart, then they're going to continue to seek the things that aren't of the Lord. So you've got to always be dealing with their heart. And then lastly, set boundaries and blocks. This is the most dangerous road in the world uh, in Bolivia. 200 people die a year, which is surprising that it's not more than that. Um, but what's it missing? What's an obvious thing that you could put up there to, besides just not, not having that road at all? Guardrails, right? Well, you've got to set boundaries and blocks, and there's, that's the road, which, which is crazy. And there are all kinds of things. Uh, I gave you a packet on Internet filtering and monitoring. I think that's really helpful. Um, because it goes through the difference between hardware, like having a router. It's kind of like stopping the mail at the mailbox before it comes in the house, right? But then you've got software, like Covenant Eyes, that you can put on the phone. That's like you, uh, that's like stopping it before it gets uh, to the, you know, it's stopping it at the door. But then you have parent filters on your phone. And that's like getting the mail and saying, oh, this is for you, this is for you, and this is for you. But these are for me or for nobody. They're for the trash. And so you've got to um, educate yourself on that, but put boundaries up, put guardrails up, help them to flee those temptations, make them go the long way if they want to see anything. Uh, quick suggestions uh, that I'll put up there. Take control of the cell phone, you own it. Take control of your Wi-Fi at home, right? But remember, you may have your Wi-Fi locked down, but if you don't have their phone locked down, they're going to get on the cellular network and look up whatever. All right, get filters that don't just report what they've looked at, but actually block it. They, it doesn't let, doesn't let it come in. All right, for iOS users, set up family sharing. There's a great, uh, I'm going to give Zach a website to send you that walks you through how do you set up an iPhone and set up parental controls. But family sharing is actually a really good built-in way to um, have your kid's phone tethered to your account. And you can, from your phone, you can turn off apps, turn off the Internet, set up times, all that stuff. Um, Turn their apps off. Do your research on all the apps, even those silly, you know, like uh, car racing games. 
set time limits, no devices in the bedrooms, have an away from home plan. They're going to go spend the night with people, and those people may not have any blocks on their Wi-Fi or whatever. Um, set age restrictions for movie subscriptions, podcasts, music. Um, I think this is really important. Talk to them about what it looks like for them to have accountability besides you. Start working that into their life in junior high and high school. And then uh, this will be in the PDF, helpful resources, so I'm going to move on and close on this. Um, last, uh, I talked about dealing with the heart, creating an internal filter. Matthew 6:21. for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And so in the day, we want to, we want to, we want to, we want them to have a not just a phone filter, but a heart filter, so that God is working in their heart. When they mess up, they're convicted. Um, when they lie, they're convicted. But when they're tempted, maybe they'll run to the Lord instead of to the uh, to the false fillers that the world is going to put out. So we had to pivot as parents. Uh, it's hard to be a parent, and we read verses like uh, like. Peter that says Satan is like a roaring lion ready to devour right and we feel that with our kids he is after them and it's obvious and so it can be discouraging uh, but remember this that you are called to parent this generation that God did not make an accident by you having a child in this age I saw this on Facebook you've probably read it but I thought it was so good I'm going to read it Don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids because the world they are going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life was not a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know they can change the world. Obviously by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they, through Christ, can do something about it. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath, again, with the Lord's strength. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. He created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenge of our lifetime. Rise up to the channel, the challenge. Raise Daniels, raise Davids, Esthers, and Peters. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with the mess of this world. He has an army, and he's raising up to drive back the darkness and make him known over all the earth. Don't let your fear steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything beside our sweet little babies and we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard for them but they were born for such a time as this satan is like a lion but scripture tells us that jesus is the lion and that's what we put our faith in as parents and uh, i think that's what i would want to leave you in is put your trust in the lord get in the posture of parenting pray read the scriptures let's have our homes be god-centered not media-centered and let's be diligent and preparing our kids to um, to use technology for his glory and to flee the evil one and his messages. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this opportunity to um, just talk about these hard things, and we need help as parents. We are desperate. We are um, imperfect, 
But God, you called us to be parents. And if you call us to something, you're going to equip us to do it. And so give us strength, give us wisdom, give us hope, uh, give us the ability. And uh, we ask for your protection over our children, that you would set up a hedge of protection around them and use them to glorify your name in everything they do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, Jay, thanks for that really helpful word. That was that was awesome. Uh, we're going to take a break for dinner now. So if you're watching online, uh, we'll be pausing here for about 30 minutes. We've got dinner in the back. Uh, your kids, if you have kids in child care, uh, they have already been taken care of, but you can definitely take this opportunity to go and check in on them and make sure the, the workers aren't like pulling their hair out or fleeing the building or anything like that. But uh, but they are already being fed. You can go check in on them, then you can come back and start through the line. We've got chicken Alfredo from neighborhood. Uh, tea's in the back, coffee's in the foyer. Uh, but y'all just kind of take a spot. The only thing we'll ask you to do is just germ your hands before you start touching all the food and utensils and everything. But if you need something, let us know. Uh, but I'm going to have Jay bless the food for us, and you guys are dismissed for about a half hour. Thank y'all. Yeah, I could stay around for a few minutes, yeah. Yeah, so if you guys have any questions for Jay, he'll stick around for a little bit, and so y'all can feel free to, to chat with him because every conversation is better over Alfredo. So feel free to talk to him. But Jay, yeah. you can bless it for us. Right. Thanks, man. Let's pray. Father, We uh, Jesus tells us that he is the bread of life, Lord, and, um, and so uh, as we eat food, we're to be reminded that this sustains us physically for the day, and you're gracious to do that. But, Lord, uh, it's a reminder that Jesus sustains us for for eternal life. And so we thank you for eternal life. Thank you that you provide our needs each and every day. And we pray this food would help us to uh, nourish our body. You would nourish our bodies so that we may better glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.